I'm Chuck Smeaton from the Royal Institution of Australia, and this is the Cosmos Briefing Podcast. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land where I speak to you from today, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Today, for International Women's Day, Cosmos journalist Matilda Hansley-Davis talks to Lauren Hansen from CSIRO. Lauren is a mechanical engineer in the Robotics and Autonomous Systems Group at CSIRO's Data61, and her major work of interest is in the mechanical design of robots. She was a member of the CSIRO Data61 team who competed at the DARPA Subterranean Challenge, aka the Robot Olympics, last year, as covered in issue 93 of Cosmos magazine. Hi Lauren, thanks for joining me for Cosmos Briefing today. Thanks for having me. Um, Can you tell me a bit about what mechanical engineering is and what it is that you specialise within that? Yeah, so mechanical engineering is a really big and varied field, which is part of what appealed to me about it, Um, particularly when I was trying to work out what kind of engineer I wanted to be. In my view, it's mechanical engineering is more the uh, the design, build, manufacture and test of moving things. It's the important part. So at CSIRO, I work specifically on robotics. Um, so my focus is on the mechanical design and build of um, robots and supporting hardware for robots. My work is pretty varied and I can work on anything from little individual components to the entire robotic system itself. Fantastic. And how did you get interested or involved in this field in the first place? Um, Kind of by accident. I've always loved maths and science, learning how things work, but uh, I had no idea what an engineer was when I was in high school. I um, attended an open day at Monash University with a friend and they wanted to check out the engineering section. And um, I remember it dawning on me on the day that engineering was just taking principles from science and, and applying them to solve problems. It's exactly what I wanted to do. And so it fit me like a glove, really. I got into robotic design a bit later in my degree by joining the um, Monash Nova Rover team, who are a student team at Monash University that design and build their own Mars rovers for international competition. Um, I, it's no secret to those who know me that I'm a bit of a space nerd, and this project was right up my alley. It gave me my first real hands-on taste at designing and building uh, robots from a set of requirements and specifications outside of classwork, and it made it pretty clear to me what I wanted to do after I graduated. Oh, that's so so cool. That sounds like such a cool experience during your uni days. Um, but more recently, you've been working on robots that aren't on Mars but deep underground, and we covered a bit of this work actually in uh, the December 2021 issue of Cosmos magazine, the DARPA Subterranean Challenge. So could you tell me a bit about what that is? Yeah, the DARPA Subterranean Challenge it aimed to drive the development of uh, underground search and rescue robots so we can send robots down in, the, in these dangerous situations instead of sending human rescue teams. Um, the challenge was affectionately nicknamed DARPA Sub-T and um, tests a fleet of robots all controlled by one human operator uh, and gives them a set time frame to explore these difficult terrains to locate um, artefacts and survivors. So things like gas leaks, mobile phones, um, that kind of thing. In order to win, your team's robots had to navigate unpredictable and difficult underground terrain and accurately locate the most artefacts in this short time frame and return all that information to the human operator who'd return that to DARPA uh, within the time frame. The competition was broken into three areas. 
tunnel, urban and cave. So tunnels were uh, long and branching and um, it's kind of like underground mine shafts. So you've got vertical shafts and tight passages, multiple levels. Your urban underground environments think more subway stations. Uh, so we've got the, ma the major challenge there, of course, is stairs because getting robots to autom autonomously get themselves up and down stairs and stairwells is always a bit difficult. And uh, natural cave networks, which are less touched by humans, so extreme terrain, very uh, unformed slopes, and um, both really can for strange passageways and big, large open caverns. Wow, that, that really does sound like a challenge. Um, can you tell me about your specific role within that CSIRO Data 61 team who worked on the DARPA challenge? I was the, I was the team's mechanical engineer. So I focused on the design um, and maintenance and build of bespoke mechanical systems and the mechanical integration of our off-the-shelf robots too. Throughout the project, I had two major focuses. The first was my dynamic track robot, or DTR. When I joined the team, they uh, had version two of this bespoke robot, and it was a great experience to be able to take on this design um, and all the lessons learned from the previous two iterations and uh, create my own version three robot that you can still see zipping around the site today as a bit of a research platform. My second major focus was the communications notes. So as I said before, in order to score any points at the competition, we needed communication with the robots in order to get their uh, located artifacts back to our base station. So um, this was our team's solution to the robots being underground kilometres away down winding, thick-walled tunnels. Um, because having the robots try to return to base to just give us the information themselves, um, it's too time-consuming. And if we had a robot fall or get stuck during um, during competition, that doesn't help us. We've lost all of their data. So instead, we had a trail of dropped communications notes from our large ATR platform, uh, which acted as a chain of communication, uh, kind of like breadcrumbs, all the way back to the base station um, and deep into our subterranean challenge. Uh, sorry, tunnels. The nodes themselves are shaped like thick books with uh, rubber ends and they're <laughs> thrown off the side of the robot at the command of the operator. Uh, when they hit the ground, they um, unfold, essentially to stand themselves upright, and then we have um, antennae that flip themselves open, um, a bit, bit cartoon-esque. Um, but the idea of that is to get the antennae off the ground. So it increases the effectiveness of the antennae, but... Almost more importantly, it makes them more visible to the uh, to the robots driving around, makes them look like an obstacle and not a traversable uh, terrain uh, right to be driven over. That's amazing. What excites you the most about doing this type of work? I, I really like um, problem solving myself. And um, what, I, what gets me about this job is that there's not one right answer. Uh, so there were so many ways that these mechanical nodes could have been developed. But... Um, and they all would have had their own strengths and weaknesses. So it's gratifying to be able to bring your own spin to a design. There's an element of creativity involved as well as maths and physics. I also think this job's pretty special because it gives me the opportunity to focus on the big picture design of the entire robot or the entire communications node, as well as all the small details involved um, in, the, in the components. If you lose sight of one end or the other, um, nothing will work together. And what do you like in particular about doing this type of science in Australia at the moment? I think it's pretty special to be able to do what you love in your own backyard. And on top of that, I felt a strong pride in being able to contribute to a team like Syro's Data 61 sub-T team that's technology is highly competitive and now proven on the global scale. Yeah, it's amazing. 
Um, are there any challenges that you've come across working in Australia in, in robotics or in mechanical engineering as well? Absolutely. Certainly with the uh, COVID-19 situation, we've faced delays on components that we've needed from overseas. Um, there's always some difficulty to not having certain items manufactured in the country and there's um, always a bit of a delay in trying to get those shipped over from um uh, different countries but with the COVID-19 situation that entire um, freight system just took so much longer uh, which particularly over this over the scale of DARPA which was a multi-year competition um, slowed us down a bit too. As well as that we have always paid a little bit of the island tax so things like sourcing um, different uh, metals that aren't your not your regular not your regular steel um, can always be a bit difficult and you're not just dealing with uh, the actual material price which is also higher in Australia but trying to get that freight into yeah right so where do you hope the field will be in five years time Lauren what's your sort of dream for the future <laughs> uh, this is an easy one um, in space Absolutely. Working in space robotics in Australia just felt so out of reach throughout uni that I'd uh, almost given up on it being a possibility without me having to change countries um, until I joined the Nova Rover team. And now Australia is sending a small rover to the moon in just a few years. I really don't think it's a question of if we'll be in space in a few years, but where we'll be. Fantastic. Well, good luck and thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. It was lovely to speak to you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Remember that you can head to cosmosmagazine.com via the link in the description for more great content. You can also subscribe to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's only science print magazine, and Cosmos Weekly with its unique approach to how science, news and the economy intersect. Podcast listeners can get both products at a special price using the coupon code you will also find in the description. Of course, you can watch and listen to all our Cosmos briefings via the link in the description too. And remember, if you support science and its communication, please support our work at the Royal Institution of Australia. I'm Chuck Smeaton, and today's podcast presenter was Matilda Hansley-Davis. Thank you. Thank you.